0: Savannah is known far and wide as a beautiful, historic city. In business circles, our hometown is just as well known as a port city. Over the last two decades, the Georgia Ports Authority has gone from a respectable player among U.S. ports to one of the nation's busiest, and the growth is only accelerating. Savannah Morning News journalist Zoe Nicholson joins today's commute to unpack the ramifications of the GPA's success. Good day, Savannah, from all of us here at savannahnow.com. Today is Thursday, August the 25th, and this is a commute podcast presented by National Office Systems. I am your host, Adam Van Brimmer, opinion columnist and a deputy editor at the Savannah Morning News. On this episode of The Commute, I talk about the Georgia Ports Authority with Zoe Nicholson. Also on this episode, my colleague Latrice Williams interviews Georgia Governor Candidate Stacey Abrams, who campaigned in Savannah last weekend. But first, a word about our presenting sponsor, National Office Systems. When it comes to office design and outfitting, National Office Systems has been Savannah's trusted source since the 1980s. They offer more than 200 product lines, including a new collaboration from two of the office furniture industry's leaders, Herman Miller and Knoll, known in this case as Miller Knoll. If your office space needs a refresh, National Office Systems can help. Learn more by visiting www.natoffsys.com. That's N-A-T-O-F-F-S-Y-S.com. Now, here's my interview with Zoe Nicholson about the Georgia Ports Authority. Pretty excited to have Zoe Nicholson back on the commute again. Zoe, of course, is one of our reporters here at the Savannah Morning News, and she was in a couple of weeks ago to talk about drinking water issues in effingham county that are affecting potentially affecting us here in savannah and elsewhere at the same time she was working on that story she was also working on some stories around the georgia ports authority and their growth taking a a comprehensive look uh, examination i guess you would say uh, of how that growth is progressing of course i think all of us realize georgia ports is, is seeing phenomenal growth for a variety of reasons whether it's it's an increase in trade worldwide or the fact that Georgia ports is pulling business away from other ports. Both, both of those are true. And it appears that there's no end in sight. Georgia ports, I want to say two years ago, Zoe was uh, maybe five or five and a half million containers annually. Their goal is to be up to 12, I think, before the end of this decade. So more than double. Mm -hmm. And of course now is a good time to, to take a look at the ports, you did a four-part series, including an intro. And before we get into specifics, let's let's start high. Talk about the the scope of the growth and and uh, I think uh, people are already seeing uh, new ports facilities come up. But what is what is underway and what is what is coming down the road?
1: Yeah. So uh, you kind of hit the nail on the head with the reasons for the growth. You know, it has to do with um, you know operational excellence pulling. Business away from other ports, especially during the pandemic, with things got clogged, uh, you know, especially at the Port of Long Beach in LA. Um, GPA has also been planning for long-term growth for a really long time, so they had the infrastructure to grow during the pandemic years uh, that accelerated growth. So, you know, they grew in 2021, 20% a normal growth year, a normal year brings about 6.5% growth. So
0: 20%. One year. <laughs> yes.
1: So, um, but you know, they've been planning for so long for this type, not in this short of a time, right. but you know, mm-hmm. it just kind of ramped up. So, uh, they have, uh, over a billion ex- capital improvement projects going on right now. Um, and, um, you know, most of those are going on in Savannah, but also there's some projects going on in Brunswick, which, um, is a largely a vehicle and other type of, yeah. um, you know, not only cars, but, you know, farm equipment, anything boats. that rolls on and rolls yes. off of it. Right. Exactly. So, um, they're also kind of beefing up down there in Brunswick, especially as Hyundai, the EV plant, um, mm-hmm. cause they are, you know, expecting Hyundai to roll out and use that Uh, port down in Brunswick a lot but kind of the the major hits uh, Garden City Terminal which is the the home base for the Georgia ports here in Savannah Um, they are you know increasing capacity by 1 million TEUs which in port speak that's a 20 uh, foot equivalent unit which a regular shipping container is 40 feet so A 1TEU is half of a regular 40-foot shipping container unit that you see. So um, they're doing things like they have a 90-acre parcel off of Grange Road, which I know a lot of people know where that is in Port Wentworth. And there's going to be some new types of warehouses that they're doing, which will kind of cut off that first-mile logistics Go straight from ship to retailers' trucks. Mm-hmm. Try to cut off because um, a lot of the the issues that we saw with backups and just crazy traffic in Garden City and Port Wentworth, you know, had to do with just the amount of goods that were coming in. To the port and trucks have to get them somewhere. So they would, you know, stack up as much as they could on port property. It's where, you know, if you drive down West Bay Street and you would see the port, yeah. the shipping containers uh stack up a lot. As high
0: as the bridge. Yes. At, at one point, which yes. was kind of eerie.
1: I was told uh they go, I believe they go at least six high, but um it feels a little bit taller. But you know, <laughs> they got they got a lot of stuff. They're uh redoing an entire berth, straightening it out. Um, and that's been going on for, for over a year and will go for about another year. Um, and that's going to allow for those big ships that they dredge the harbor for to come right. through. Right. And
0: if you take a boat out on the river and you go upriver from the port, you see on the port side of the river, you see land being cleared. And I, I know that's all port related. On the other side of the river on Hutchison Island, or, or most people know that that's kind of the next big expansion point. Mm-hmm what's the status of that and and what can we expect to see over there?
1: Um, So, you know, last time I talked, they were still in that like early design phase, but they do have a 2025 completion for phase one. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure exactly what phase one will entail, but the overall plan is 200 acre facility that will add 2.5 million TEUs of capacity. So basically creating a new terminal on the Savannah river. Um, And, The long-term project kind of beyond that phase one, uh, they haven't really released details, but it'll be big.
0: Yeah, it's my understanding that they pretty much own Hutchinson starting at where the convention center is going upriver. So if you go upriver, that's just about everything except for a little bit of golf course and a little bit of housing. The rest of it is all is Georgia Ports property, and for the most part, it's undeveloped.
1: That's right. And when you look at, you know, how long the Georgia ports have owned that property and also, you know, they bought land in Jasper County mm-hmm. in 2008, 1,500 acres. And there are years, years from thinking about the Jasper Ocean Terminal. Right. So that kind of just gives you an idea about how far in the future the ports have been planning. Right.
0: One other port facility that we need to talk about. And it, I don't think it was in the stories, but obviously it's something that people have, have are thinking a lot about, and that's Talmadge Bridge. Mm-hmm. So we are supposed to hear this summer. And I, from what I understand, GDOT is going back and forth and still trying to figure out how to raise it, replace it, tunnel under it. Mm-hmm. In, in your reporting, did you get any kind of, uh, clarity is probably the wrong word, did you get any kind of vague idea of of when we're going to know something about what their plans are for that?
1: I mean, based off of the last thing they told me, it should be like literally any day now. Summer's mm-hmm. coming to a close. But, um, you know, I also heard, you know, no from people in the ports, but people who are involved in the you know, environmental activism community and people who are involved in training logistics that also going back and dredging the harbor again could be an option. Oh, so boy. SHEP 2.0, which comes with its own host of issues, yeah. but means you don't have to build an entirely new bridge.
0: Well, I guess that's one way to look at it. Shep, one point I only took 25 years, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think they're going to need a higher bridge sometime yeah. just before those yeah. 25 years are up. So moving on from that, uh, the pieces mm-hmm. of this, and that included uh, economic impact, it included mm-hmm. the impact mm-hmm. of the ports on quality of life and it also talked about some environmental things and since you mentioned earlier uh uh, grange road um Mm -hmm. some of the the traffic issues that we're seeing that's a big thing with quality of life particularly in garden city and port wentworth they've addressed some of that with obviously off of jimmy deloach now there's Mm -hmm. a grange road exit uh the mason mega rail has removed some of that Um, train traffic at least Mm -hmm. from garden city and and in port Wentworth on on Georgia 25 but there's still a lot of quality of life issues related to the ports what are some of the what are some of the highlights or lowlights we should say in terms of of living or working near the port
1: yeah um you know I would say the ports do have a lot of projects like they just announced with GDOT they're building a new connector between Main Street and the I-516 interchange um, in Brampton Road right there at the Garden City entrance which will really clear up that one intersection if you've ever sat at that intersection right there at the GPA gates at Brampton Road it's just trucks everywhere and if you feel like an ant but <laughs> um, you know Some things are really beyond, not beyond GPA's control, but just uh, a symptom of the expansive industry that is there to support GPA operations. Um, So you look at things like truck traffic and especially in Garden City, um, you know, it's a bedroom community, but there's not really many things there for people to do after work hours in. So, you know, you drive down the main thoroughfares, you're going to see title lending places or Many many types of uh you know businesses that will you know do truck fixes and right. um right. you know car shops and part shops but there's not really much there to create a community That's beyond a community. business there so um you know I would say that is one of the biggest things and another thing that several residents I talked to are trying to do is pull in more housing to create it more of a community get in younger people get in different socioeconomic levels of homeowners Um, and there is still some land to do that Mm -hmm. but you know that's also land that you know warehouses will want to so um, it really depends on you know how firm the city will be with deciding you know what they allow and what they don't.
0: Right Right. my my son goes to school in Garden City now so I drive through there twice a day Mm -hmm. And, and you're right it's just it's 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 more barren than it probably should be right and but with more housing comes right. more density to mm-hmm. help with businesses and hopefully grow some community. And, but it's going to be a delicate balancing act because uh, as you alluded to, the port is going to continue to, to grow. And as it grows, there's everything around it, the services and, and all the support that it needs are going to grow. And it's going to be a, it's going to be a tug of war for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't show any sign of abating no, the no. same time, economic impact, obviously the yep. state, it's a state agency, and yep. it generates a tremendous amount of of income and business for the state. It employs between the ports and the longshoremen. I think around two thousand employees directly, mm-hmm. uh, several thousand more indirectly. When you look at economic impact, it break your cal- it break your calculator, right? Yep. But how do you kind of boil it down and and make it digestible for people?
1: So when you look at the state's annual contribution to the economy, it's $51 billion, right? So that's 8% of the state's gross domestic product. So um, it's a sizable chunk. Just the ports are a sizable chunk of the state's economy. And then that's not even really factoring in the related industry. So in Chatham County alone, there are 45,000 people Um employed at the ports or port related industries. So that could be manufacturing plants, be logistics, trucking, you know, what have you. So um, it is, you know, other than healthcare and tourism, it's one of the major players here for jobs, not only in Chatham County, but the region. And also, you know, in Brunswick, it's a major player, especially around Atlanta, where, um, you know, you get things. Off the ships from Savannah, get them to Atlanta, and then from Atlanta they go to the rest of the country. Um, so you know it's a major, major contributor, especially along the coast to the economy. Um, you know, but with that, I think that's a is a double edged sword sure. because there is so many opportunities. There's so much money to be made, but if it's not done in a responsible way, you know we could be writing checks right now that we're not going to be able to cash, especially when it comes to infrastructure, water, sewer, roads, um, all of that stuff, and also workforce. So, you know, uh, the growth is really great and there's a lot of opportunities, but it just, um, you know, people have to keep in mind that these types of businesses act ask a lot of the communities that Mm -hmm. they're in. Mm -hmm.
0: And I think that's one Important part of the economy is is infrastructure, mm-hmm. right? And, and we talked about some of the projects that are already going on. But the ports have grown at such a rate; it seems like they get one project done, and it's kind of like adding road, adding lanes to an interstate, right? A lot of times, by the time you mm-hmm. finish adding that lane, you, you probably should add added two. right? So they're constantly trying to not get ahead, but they're constantly trying to catch up, right?
1: Exactly, and you know, a lot of about five or six projects. I believe that the Georgia ports has right now in the construction phase, they accelerated those. So they weren't supposed to be even a reality for until, you know, five years from now. And because of the demand of the last year, they're really beefing that up. Um, and then you also have just warehouses. I mean, drive down any interstate in the area or, or uh, parkway and you'll see all the warehouses going up. So, um, you know, I think, we're still in that growth mode, that scramble mode to meet demand, and I think we really haven't seen yet what the true impact is going to be. You right. know, I know people think the roads are clogged right now, but yeah, they could get worse. Just wait, just wait till you know, <laughs> yeah. Hyundai opens up. And, exactly, and
0: right, end of the uh, sixteen goes crazy. Another uh, area of impact, of course, is environmental. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the piece you wrote, you've focused quite a bit on West Savannah, which is a neighborhood that has coexisted for the ports for very, very, mm-hmm. very long time. But they talk about over a span of time the, the environmental impact on their communities. Right. You kind of hit some of the high points from that.
1: Yeah. So, you know the otter woman for that district um, that encompasses West Savannah, Bernetta Lanier, she just mm-hmm. retired from uh, the International Longshoremen's right. Association. She's mm-hmm. third generation to work at the port. So she really explained it. You know, she was able to buy a house. She grew up with health insurance, mm-hmm. um, solid paycheck. So the ports give that stability to people in West Savannah, but the proximity to the ports and just the, Sheer level of emissions that are coming from trucks, from cranes, from ships, from, um, you know, the manufacturing plants that are all around there as well. You know, um, it's been well known for a long time. Things haven't been well documented. So the scope of really what the impact is on that community health has yet to be known you know, in Hudson Hill particularly, which is completely boxed in by West Bay Street and then industry um, along the river, you know, they've known for generations that there's really high rates of adult asthma and non-smoker type lung cancers and respiratory cancers. So, you know, it's these things that they've known for a long time, but they're just now getting to the point where they're going after grant money and really collecting that data to be able to pinpoint the problem, see how how big it is, and then look at solutions. But that's going to take some time.
0: Yeah, the other piece envir- of environment, of course, is the physical environment. We're mm-hmm. talking about wetlands. You alluded to the, to the dredging mm-hmm. before. I know there's, uh, there's some saltwater intrusion into the aquifer that is tied to that. I think uh, they are now acknowledging now that the wake from the ships plays a pretty big role in terms of beach renourishment at Tybee and, of course, the washing out of, of the McQueen's Island Trail right there off the Tyvee causeway. Uh, it's a, again, it's, uh, what is it? The law of, does uh, it Newton or Einstein or yep. uh, one action What's, has an equal opposite yes, reaction?
1: Exactly. And that's what we're um, seeing here. Right. You know, that is definitely the mm-hmm. biggest impact on the physical environment. Um, mm-hmm. Not even getting into what port operations mean for air quality, mm-hmm. but yeah. So the dredging, um, basically it means that salt water is coming up further along the Savannah river. And, um, what that means for, especially like freshwater marshes, which are called the liver and kidneys of, uh, the environment, but also they are really big protectors. When big storms come in, they take on so much water, um, when there's a storm surge or King tide, um, and all of that stuff. So, you know, they are required. The ports are, legally required to do mitigation projects, but, you know, a lot of times these mitigation projects go into a bank of uh, land sure. mitigation efforts yeah. and, you know, sometimes those fixes won't be even in Chatham County. It'll be somewhere else in the state.
0: Right, right. Well, the ports are certainly been top of mind for a long time. They will continue to be and I'm glad that you are here to to keep an eye on them and report both the successes and the challenges. Mm-hmm. And we look forward to hearing about, I guess, Bridges next. Yes, yeah, uh, stay
1: tuned. And, uh,
0: sometime we can we can talk Jasper Port. That might be we might be retired by then. The way this project is gone. <laughs> but it, it's all there for the for the taking. But Zoe, thanks so much for coming on and talking about the ports. And folks, please go to savannanow.com. You can find those port stories pretty easily. If you don't see them right on the homepage, then. Click on the magnifying glass, put in GPA or Georgia ports and Nicholson and those stories will come up. They are all linked together. So if you find one, you should be able to find them all. Uh, take a read. And, and it, it, for me, it was very, uh, who knows a lot about the ports is still very educational. So please go and do that. Thank you very much, Zoe, for Thanks coming. For in. Thanks again to Zoe for her insights. We will play the Stacey Abrams interview next. Right after, I encourage you to sign up for the Prep Central newsletter. The high school football season opened last weekend, and to keep up with the latest news and notes, you need to be on the email list for sports writer Dennis Knight's weekly high school sports newsletter. He covers more than football in that newsletter. He goes into volleyball, softball, cross country, all the prep sports. To get your fix, go to savannahnowcom slash newsletters and sign up. Again, that's savannahnowcom slash newsletters. The newsletter will go to your email inbox, and you don't have to subscribe to the Savannah Morning News or SavannahNow.com to get the newsletters. They're free, they're easy access, so you have no excuses not to do so. Now, on to Latrice Williams' discussion with Stacey Abrams.
2: Stacey Abrams is on a mission. She narrowly lost to Brian Kemp in the 2018 election run for governor in Georgia. Now she's making her mark in each city throughout the state, touching on every issue from gun reform to climate change. My name is Latrice Williams and I'm the general assignment reporter for Bryan and Effingham County for the Savannah Morning News. It is a pleasure to welcome Stacey Abrams to the podcast today. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for asking. How are you? I am wonderful so let's jump right into it we're here at 520 tavern to record the podcast for the stacy and the fellas event which is centered around black male voters why was this important for you to do much as i've expressed across the
3: state we have different communities with different needs and the governor has to be capable of being fluent in all of these different concerns i was pleased to spend yesterday in effingham county and in Mm -hmm. ryan county but tonight is about a specific community, and that is African-American men who face unique challenges in the state and require specific attention. We all have the same global concerns, safety, justice, opportunity, but it looks different in each community. And what I want to emphasize here today is how important it is that we see black men understand their unique challenges in the state of Georgia and that we articulate a clear plan for how we're going to work together for
2: achieving those ends of safety justice and opportunity Mm -hmm. what are the top three issues that black men are bringing to you not only when you host these events but just when you're out and about you know doing your campaigning top of mind
3: is the issue of opportunity
2: whether you are
3: a business a small business owner who's doing well but wants to do better who's trying to bid on contracts but can't seem to break in and break through Uh, For those who are working full time, they simply want to be able to make a living with Mm -hmm. the jobs they have, and too often they're working more than one job Mm -hmm. that isn't paying a sufficient wage to take care of themselves or their families. Mm -hmm. And we have a large population that is returning uh, returning citizens, those who've been Mm -hmm. incarcerated, and their difficulty is being able to reestablish their lives and avoid recidivism. They want to know how can they make their mark in the community mm-hmm. as redeemed citizens with the help of the state. And unfortunately, under the current governor, programs that have been put in place in the last eight years have disappeared over the
2: last four years. Mm-hmm. You know, you. I think you touched on wages. And as I was coming in, I, I saw a couple homeless people and we're just so detached from them. And, I, and as I came in, I thought. I have no idea where they're going to sleep tonight. So that kind of brought me to my next question: Is if elected, what are your plans to combat these issues? Because homelessness is—that's a big issue, right? Homelessness
3: comes from a number of issues. Uh, we know that it's a housing issue. So affordable housing is a crisis mm-hmm. in Georgia. It's a crisis in coastal Georgia, and unfortunately, the governor is refusing to either address the crisis or even spend the resources that he has available—four hundred fifty million dollars has been unspent by this administration, even though it could solve the problem, or at least tackle the issue of evictions and rental housing. But we also know that sometimes it's mental illness. Mm -hmm. And when you see someone on the streets, there's often been an issue with either accessing mental health care or Mm -hmm. substance abuse treatment until we expand Medicaid those very same populations will be denied access to care if we expanded Medicaid these are people who could get care before it becomes a crisis Mm -hmm. they could actually not only get the treatment they need but they could also get their jobs they could Mm -hmm. they could move back into community but it's also a question of what do we do for those who are already on our streets we know that we have a large homeless population of veterans And the governor has not made any real plans to address veterans homelessness. I have a plan to do so. I've worked Mm -hmm. with organizations that have done this work. I served on the board of an organization. Mm -hmm. And so I have not only detailed plans for what we can do, I understand that when homelessness hits, especially the black community, that it becomes a permanent state. And we need to be able to move people not only physically back into housing, but we need to be able to help them organize their lives so that homelessness is very soon in the rearview mirror never to be visited again.
2: Switching gears, you are vying to become the first black woman ever elected governor in U.S. history. What does that mean to you as a black woman?
3: I want people to elect me because I am qualified to do this mm-hmm. job, because I've proven through 11 years as a legislature le- legislator and for <laughs> years as a small business owner, as a tax attorney, as an author, that I am capable of doing this job. Mm-hmm. But I also know that it matters what we see, and it matters which experiences we've had. I can think about and talk with articulation about the needs of black men, because I've got two brothers mm-hmm. who have experienced both sides of the coin. One who has been in the carceral system and another who's worked to keep people out of the carceral system. Wow! I know that as a black woman, I will not only be emblematic of something else that America has failed to do for more than 248 <sighs> years, but I'm also an image of what we can also, what we can expect
2: for the next generation. Awesome, just a couple more questions. I watched a video that you posted to your Twitter account. Hope I got this number right. You lost the last election by 54,723 votes. Is that correct? that is correct. That was a number that you could have forgotten, right? That was a number that you could have tossed it aside. Some people would let that haunt them. Why did you choose to remember it?
3: Because that was the narrowest margin of loss in almost a generation in Georgia. Not since 1968, I think, or 66. But more importantly, it's a number that to me is a galvanizing force. There are people out there who want better for themselves, for their families. They want a governor who sees them. And I want them to know that if they show up this time, if their votes get counted this time, if they can navigate the voter suppression that unfortunately is still part of Georgia, that they can make the difference and they can make that number a thing of the past.
2: In closing, fill us in on how your campaign is going. I know you've been everywhere from Atlanta to Athens to the smallest towns in Georgia. What has the response been from those communities? We have seen
3: remarkable response. People have been enthusiastic. They've been turning out. And we're trying to do a mix of events. So sometimes you'll see big crowd. Sometimes it's a small gathering, but everywhere I'm hearing the same thing. People Mm -hmm. want more. They want to know that the governor sees them and is willing to serve them, and they want us to invest in their future. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm running, because I know we can do right by our people without raising taxes. We just have to raise our expectations.
2: (laughs) Love that. Well, thank you for joining us here at the Savannah Morning News. It was a pleasure interviewing you, and thank you guys for tuning in.
0: That's all for this edition of the Commute Podcast. Thanks one last time to our presenting sponsor, National Office Systems. Before I sign off, remember that we publish new Commute episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. Whatever your interests, you will find interviews of interest in our archives. Earlier this week, for example, I interviewed Savannah Public Schools Superintendent Ann LeVette. To hear that and more, search The Commute with that Savannah opinion on your favorite podcast app. The Commute returns next Tuesday. We will talk to you then.